Hey everyone, and uh, we're back with another episode of the Utility Strategy Podcast. And today I have with us a very experienced engineer, uh, a builder who's working for transformation in the civil construction industry. Uh, Andy Kayala, how are you doing? Good, David. Nice to see you tell, this morning. Tell, yeah, nice to see you too. We haven't uh, spoken in a few weeks. Uh, tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Who, who's Andy? What have you been up to? Where have you started? And how, uh, how have you gotten to where you are today? Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's good to have a chance to talk some of these issues out. Yeah, I've yeah. Um, spent most of my career last mm, going on 25 years now. Uh, bidding and building complex infrastructure projects around the world. So started out uh, in the field, um, spent a number of years working as a project engineer, project manager, worked into pre-construction, uh, spent quite a bit of time in the Middle East, um, some time in Australia, other areas, um, chasing work all over the U.S., large complex infrastructure. Uh, in that time, I think one thing that I learned was that uh, our industry as a whole has um, lost some of our um, better capabilities. Um, we've we've we're not as productive as we used as we once were, and there's a number of reasons why. I, you know, we could talk about everybody has a different perspective and ten different things, but one of the things that I landed on was. I was watching as the use of technology increased, productivity was not correspondingly increasing, which yeah. is an inverse of what you know we would think it would be. And so I started to ask, why is that? And about seven years ago, I started working with um, Bentley Systems actually um, on a platform that they've brought out synchro construction. It's not that that's the only platform, but that's the platform that I think does the best job of integrating 2D workflows and 3D workflows. But the whole idea was to develop what I'm referring to as digital construction management. And how are we gonna take all of this technology innovation and put it to work and build better and be better stewards of public tax dollars and actually be more productive through the application of technology. Um, and that has led me down a number of paths exploring um, things such as what you guys are working on with uh, utilities, all things utilities, really one of the top, you know, one, two or three risks on every large infrastructure project. So uh, I think that career-wise, um, the way I've said it to WSB, the the guy that I report to now is that I'd like to spend the rest of my career trying to figure out this problem and help the industry be more productive through the application of advanced technology. Why do you think our industry has yet uh, to go digital? Like I, I completely like we hear this a lot. Like there's the famous graph of uh, 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 kind of advancement of technology, uh, generally speaking, going up. And productivity and construction kind of flatlining, not doing anything. Right. And when you look at the same, the same charts in uh, manufacturing and farming, like you can see that they're aligned, that they're somewhat going up together. You can see the traditional industries uh, somewhat catching up 
with technology right. and construction. We're just we're just not seeing that. Why do you think that is? It's a really good question, and I don't think there's any easy answers. I think people that propose easy answers um, are actually part of the problem. Um, the simple application of advanced technology to a complex interaction out in the real world where you're interacting with the traveling public, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Um, so what, what, one of the things is I think our expectations are out of line with the way that technology has worked in other industries. So just because it worked in manufacturing where you have, I would say a more controlled environment because you're not out in the elements uh, interacting with, you know, individual people who maybe don't always respect construction work zones, for example, right? You, you have a very complex situation that you're dealing with. So I think one of the reasons is that we've not really communicated the value proposition that's embedded in the use of advanced technology to those who build the work. So I think owners, engineers, um, service providers have theoretical conceptions of why it should work, but then we haven't done a good enough job of taking why it should work and then putting it out in the field where the people who have to construct things are actually using it and show them the value proposition. Why is this better than what you're doing today? Not just different, but better. And I think the, the burden is on us who are working on this to put our boots on the ground and help them figure it out. That, that's kind of my conviction. That's what I've committed the rest of my career to is doing that. I think that, uh, you know, we were talking about this today uh, in another element of the construction industry and damage prevention, that there is somewhat an analog ecosystem that has been built because for a long time, our, for, for hundreds of years, construction was an analog industry. And yeah. now the technologies that we're trying to implement, we're trying to implement them into an analog industry, which doesn't make sense. Like the industry should transform into a digital era and then we should start implementing digital solutions. Like trying to, it, it's like it's a mismatch at the moment. Yeah, there is some of that for sure. I think you're right. Um, there's also just the idea of there's a difference between is the technology available and um, workflow process personnel training, um, putting boots on the ground, really figuring it out yeah, and using it. So I, I know everybody, this isn't profound, right? It's This is what every industry has to go through. Um, interestingly, though, I was talking to a guy who's been in the vertical industry for a long time. So we're you and I are talking about uh, the horizontal transportation industry. That, that's just to clarify not general building. That's not my area of expertise. So, but I was talking to a guy yesterday who comes from the building side, who's been using advanced technology for 20 years. They've been pursuing BIM in general, just for kind of commonly understood nomenclature, call it BIM for vertical industry. And even he said that there are certain instances where take clash detection, um, 
it's actually been not brought value, it's introduced additional complexity and risk and it hasn't gone well. That's in an industry that's been trying to do it for 20 years. And we're just getting started, I would say, in the horizontal industry. So construction, I think, has some unique um, problems to solve that don't, you can't take agriculture and say, well, we should be able to do it in construction because it worked here. There's, there's some truth to that, but there's also a set of variables that we're dealing with that need to be addressed. Yeah. How are you, uh, how are you seeing these challenges? Like you started mentioning, uh, 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 horizontal, uh, in regards to vertical, how are you seeing these mainly in transportation, long linear infrastructure projects? How are you seeing these challenges there? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. I, I think there's probably some low hanging fruit and I'm going to not go out on a limb, but I'm going to make a, make a statement about what we could do in the near term. And one of those things is related to having a better understanding of what's in the ground before we start work. We have the technology available and there's absolutely no reason why we can't get better at addressing that risk. I think that the, um, the industry as a whole has gotten used to the idea that they're trying to shift risk from one bucket to the other, whether that's on the contractor, the owner, the third party utility. Yeah. We're trying to figure out whose fault is it. Right. And we're trying to craft agreements that make sure we're not the one that's at fault. Well, that hasn't worked and it's not going to work. It's going to continue to be a nightmare for everyone. In the background, we have the technology available through um, mapping services, through modeling services, through um, reality mesh, through you know gathering data through drone flights. We can create an existing conditions understanding before we ever start designing. And there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing it. And I think owners need to get that message that if you want to have control of your work, take responsibility for the existing conditions and let's get that mapped and published to the people who have to go build. I think it's a, and the builders need to take responsibility to coordinate that and effectively mitigate the risks. How are you seeing you know, I think that uh, today in the industry, dealing with the risk of utilities is often pushed back to, let's call it very close to construction. Yeah. Instead, instead of investing in, I won't say mitigate that risk, because mitigating that risk is something that you do when you know where the exact location is, but at least getting some sort of comprehension, some sort of basic understanding and what the risk is yep. that going, we're going to be up against in this three to one year project that's ahead of us. And there's a sense that so many professional engineers that have been in the industry long enough who understand what's, what's up ahead uh, are not taking that pass of, th- of saying, I want to invest in this early in the process. Yeah. I think that's true. Well, I think it's an industry as a whole. We, uh, we tend to 
I don't know how to say it, but the um, dealing with what we're going to build is easier than dealing with what exists sometimes. It takes hard work <laughs> to go out yeah. and talk to all of those third-party stakeholders and, you know, okay, I can get the X and Y coordinates, but I need the Z coordinate, right? Okay, that and that involves money. That involves investment, time, people. So I think we just need to say, has have we been successful at what we've been doing? Just trying to shift the risk around and say it's somebody else's problem. Of course not. It's not working. So what we need to do, I think, is have a vision for a much earlier 3D environment of the existing conditions that then the designer can reference and we can actually analyze the real risks that exist. Because as, as you know, I mean, on a project, maybe 90% of the utilities aren't going to be an issue, but there's 10% of them that could cause massive dollar and time delay. You only so, need that one rogue one. You only right. need that one rogue utility. Yeah. Yeah. You got that critical communication line or the high pressure gas that can't move or the transmission line. I mean, the, the, there's those critical pieces that we should be able to identify that with the technology. Let me put it a different way and not to try to find fault with who's done something or didn't do something, but the technology is available to make that happen. Then it's just, will we do it or not? So, so I think Sorry, go ahead. You, you, you'd asked just kind of why, you know, this is all in the context of um, the application of advanced technology and some of those things. I think, and you'd asked what we could do. And I, I just think we need to identify low hanging fruit and show the value proposition across the board to all stakeholders, third parties the traveling public, the owners, the engineers, the contractors, pick pick things like risk mitigation and utility coordination and management. Let's just pick that and solve it. We've got the technology to do it. Let's do it. I think there's things like that that we could do. And, and people would start to adopt more readily a digital ecosystem, for a better way of saying it. Are you seeing owners progress in that direction? Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. I think there's the, I'd say the last 18 months or so in horizontal construction, there's been momentum. You know, prior to that, there was here and there, Utah, Pennsylvania, Iowa, there were DOTs around the country that were innovating, say, and they were ahead of the curve for sure and learned some hard lessons and had some successes. And But I think there's been a real momentum pickup here recently. And I think it's running in tandem with um, progressive design build becoming more prevalent. CMGC, yeah. Yeah. more of a collaborative contracting mechanism. Yeah, so, alternative delivery methods. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's real opportunity there around those, particularly those two methods, CMGC and progressive design build to to really work together. And and that's where I think the you can innovate within the context of a, a collaborative partnering environment. Are you seeing then 
Because I think that for the the owners, most of the line items that at the end of the day they see in the bid, they recognize, right? But then now with, with, uh, uh, when we're trying to implement new technologies, how does that conversation work? Like when you need to, it's like you said before, like how do we start explaining the value proposition of these different innovations that we're trying to help streamline the project? Yeah, I think you have to show, not tell. Um, and it, yeah, it's such an interesting thing that uh, I'll use a couple of analogies. Um, you know, we we do a lot of work in the background using advanced technology to how are we going to manage quantities differently? How do we leverage a model in the field for better planning and scheduling? There's an awful lot of things that we can do. And then it's hard to explain that and and for people to understand the value because it's it's not been deployed yet. So it's kind of a, a risk, I would say, people see it as. And then you show them a visualization of the project, right? You take existing conditions and what you're going to build and you, and you just show a four-minute video, just a visualization of here's a digital representation of the future physical asset in context of the real world and it changes everybody's thinking like immediately they they just now they want to know how do i get that how do i use that so i think there's a real opportunity that we have to to push that uh, visualizing the the work and 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 really showing that to people and i think then you, you you not only build interest, but you get some really good questions that how could I use that then? How can I, how can I deploy that? And it, uh, is there a specific project or a specific uh, application that, uh, that you can talk about? Yeah, we've been using, um, this good example. Uh, we were pursuing a large design build finance project in Atlanta. And we were able to put our tie our schedule to our design prior to construction, just to show the client that we could do it, and then create a visualization for all the alternative technical concepts. So rather than taking a five-page document and trying to describe what we were going to do, we just showed what we can do. I think what, what that did you use that, that which uh, which uh, program did you use for that? So it's uh, Synchro Pro is the scheduling platform that connects um, kind of the CPM schedule to the design model within Synchro 4D Pro. And then we have visualization capability within WSB. Jeff Christensen is who leads that department. And I am no expert here, but Unreal Engine is the platform that he uses to bring things together as I understand it. I know there's more to it than that, but um that, you know he that, can yeah i That's, think that gets uh you know it's I, I like what you said that it's easier to show them because it also there's nothing that gives more confidence to the owner knowing how their capital is being spent when they can actually see it because a lot of times yeah. you get lost in the dotted lines and in the in the t's and the eyes of the of the documents that we hand in um yeah 
Well, interestingly, there's a there's a temptation, I think, for all of us who think these are good tools to start to see the technology as the point, right? The, the technology itself, developing the technology, developing the tool, bringing the tool to market, helping, you know, and you, and you have good ideas, but you start to think that the technology is the point. It's a tool that the people on the other end need to, we need to help that process the way. So here's the analogy I use. Um, we build skill saws. Technology is like a really good skill saw, but there still needs to be a carpenter who picks it up and puts it to work. And right now we don't have enough. Um, we haven't shown the value proposition to the point where the carpenters want to pick up the new skill saw. They're happy using their old one. I, I, I get the job done. I'm doing it on time. I, I put my little bit of profit in the bank at the end of the day and I'm happy. But I think we need to say this better tool will put just a few more pennies in the bank at the end of the job. And we need to show people how that'll happen. You know, that is such a huge deal. Like, I think that every conversation that we have is about the, the margins, the project margins that are razor thin at the moment. And oh, yeah. I think that all conversations now about efficiency and productivity are going to be about how do I create, first of all, predictability around my margins? How do I know that I'm, I'm going to end this project uh, not losing money? Um, oh, that's right. And, and second of all, how do I consistently from project to project create platforms that are able to constantly um, grow my margins? Yeah. I, I, no, that's a really good way of saying it. And I, you know, being a strong free market capitalist, I, I, I don't see profit as evil, right? Profit reveals those organizations that are running well. In a competitive marketplace, profit is just a signal. Yeah. And that signal should be picked up by owners and other people in the market. And so there's a good thing. And then going back to your point about stewardship of public tax dollars, increased profit doesn't mean that we're not also at the same time improving the service to the public. But it, what it means is that we're getting better at doing that very thing. And we've got to be okay with that. Owners need to be okay with that. Engineers, contractors, we can all participate in an environment where reward isn't looked at as, you know, something that's a sideshow. It's okay. Profit is okay. And to be good stewards of those public dollars and improvement in productivity is going to be revealed and improved profit. So everybody wins, I think is the point. And that advanced technology deployment to the extent that it can help serve that end, I think we need to push it. So, you know, now, now my question is, because we've kind of gone full circle, right? We talked about the, uh, the kind of the guys at the, at the end, the subcontractors, right? Whether it's, uh, I don't know, putting a, a ex th that excavator, right? Or that it's the, the owner. We need to kind of get all stakeholders on board 
with these new innovations. And I think that in your, in your position, in your day to day, like it's about bringing all these stakeholders together and kind of saying, Hey guys, like this is, this is what we plan to do. This is how we plan to do it. And I think that's a, that's a major challenge because there's a lot of education that needs to be, needs to be accomplished there. No, I think you're right. I, the, the, the picture I like to hold in my mind is the, the foreman on a big job. He's got a production target that day and, um, they got a little bit of rain that morning. Uh, the engineer forgot to order the stone for the pipe backfill. He's in a bit of a scramble and he's still got to make that production target. And the, maybe one of his guys isn't, you know, feeling all that great that day. If we keep that guy in mind, how do we make technology available in such a way that it helps that guy be just a little bit better? Things are a little bit more clear. Um, he can be safer. He can build with better quality. Um, how, how do we serve that guy? I think if if the industry, if people who are you know developing tools and trying to say this thing is going to help improve construction, okay, we'll keep that guy in mind when you're saying that. How how are we going to to serve that end user in such a way that? the work gets in place just a little bit safer, a little bit better quality and a little bit better production. I think it'll help orient everybody's thinking. I think that in the, the realm of utilities, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think that guy is the excavator. Like how do we make his world, how do we make his world yeah. a safe world? How do we make his world one that he's not digging in places where he's not supposed to, because at the end of the day, that's a tip of the spear. Like if the excavator hits something that yeah. he's not supposed to get, that's it. Yeah. That project is stuck. Right. Yep. And he's no, going to be like liable. That. I like that. I mean, I, all the respect in the world for those guys. I've watched them dig around the spaghetti that's in the ground. And I think I do not want to be in that seat. I, I just, that is the, the, the nerves involved there and they get good at it. And I, I, I mean, I watch them, watch them do it and that's impressive. So I, I think you're right. That, um, keep that guy in mind. So owners, this would be a good message for owners. When you're thinking about strategy for utility risk mitigation, think about that guy. If you can make his job easier, you just mitigated the risk. Yep. And I think that goes back to the point we were making before that it, it really, you know, when, when we speak to ex- uh, sorry about that, when we speak to excavators, they would rather that we invest a bit more in the design, a bit more in kind of that front end stage, so they can get yeah. the job done right. They really yeah. would. Like yeah. it's not them like getting the, those extra few bucks per per project. It's not about that. Like, cause, cause, because the burden of liability <clears throat> of liability on them is so uh, is so high, it doesn't make sense for them to to enter a project that is not properly planned and properly designed. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good point. I, the 
the opportunity is there for small investment with big reward. And to go back to the earlier discussion around advanced technology and creating a model, a 3D representation of the existing conditions. So if you're the guy sitting in the seat of that excavator, and before you ever put a bucket in the ground, you can, in a 3D environment, visualize what you're going to get into it's before you ever go into that intersection. Yeah. Yeah. That's, maybe yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. And I think those, uh, you know, those things exist today. You know, even even without talking about, about us, what we do, like just giving, just making sure that that excavator has... Uh, uh, has the the plans, the data from the plans, has it in some sort of uh, uh, AR, VR solution that he can just visualize it in front of his eyes before he puts that shovel in the ground. That exists. That yeah, exists. But you know what What I heard, and this isn't uh, what, what we've heard, and this isn't a knock on anybody. It's just uh, like where there's a cultural sh- change that's happening now in the industry, but there's... When you talk to, to the managers in the field, sometimes they're scared to invest in the in their personnel because there's such a, a high turnover rate with the manpower that they work with. Yeah, I know that's so. Again, not to you know be um, judging not anybody to... for the decisions make but the, if everyone would take a little bit different view of it and say as I invest in people number one I'm building loyalty because the people that I'm investing in know that they are um, cared for and that we as an organization would want them to be better but number two you're just raising the bar for the whole industry when you make that commitment to train it's yeah. and as the industry improves then you know, the, the, the next worker that walks through the door for you is going to be just a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I, I even think of it, uh, if you think of it even from a selfish perspective, just from trying to drive more efficiency, let's, let's uh, disregard the, uh, the manpower argument for a second, but just trying to create more efficiency. Technology, I think, is a, it's, it's like it's a one-time investment in, in a lot of cases. And that's it. Right. Like you've implemented it. It's part of the organization. And productivity goes up. Right. We, we need to, as an industry, I think, need to be more conscious to being able to take those risks. Like there's a saying in tech that uh, nobody gets fired for buying IBM. Right? Because it's like it's it's... It's what's there. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it, it works. It's like it's, it may be mediocre. This isn't a knock on IBM. Like I could have said that Microsoft or Google or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but it's like it's the obvious choice. And I think as an industry, we need to start looking at the non-obvious opportunities that we have out there that are that are a bit progressive, that are a bit out there, that are a bit unusual. But... They have the potential of changing our entire project workflow. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and doing the hard work to figure out, how would you say it, to have a vision of the overall process, and then how do those individual pieces of technology fit into that process? I yeah. think 
one thing that we can do around the discussion with technology is to say, well, I'm proposing whatever. What does it replace that they're doing today? Because as soon as you tell somebody that you're adding something, they're not going to do it. They're already too busy. So you, you have to have this vision to um, replace an existing piece of how they're managing the project or planning the project or, or, or bidding the project, whatever it is. You, you have to replace an existing workflow. And that requires some hard work to actually understand what people are doing. Yeah. And each organization is different. Even even if we want to think that we're the same, we're different. We're, uh, yeah. We have our internal uh, uh, breakthroughs that we think that we're more efficient than others, but it's like it kind of changes some parts of the process. Um, right. I think I think it's complicated. It really is really is a complex industry challenge to get everyone on board with the same the same progressive opportunities that are out there. And I think no. I think you know we're seeing that in conversations that we have that it's like okay so who are you working with? And like if we like only when we name the names that we were working with then we like okay so these guys can be trusted yeah right i i think that like there's so many other technologies out there that are that haven't gotten that opportunity yet and i think we as an industry need to give them that opportunity just to just to prove themselves i'm not saying like commit yourself right like don't do what's right. not good for you, but right. give give other technologies the opportunities to give you value i think is what I'm thinking. I think there's probably a it's it's around what you're talking about, but the finding the people that are asking the question, how do I make this better? So find those people within your organization, whoever they are. It doesn't matter where they're at, kind of within the hierarchy of an organization. But find the people that ask the question and are always pushing and maybe a little bit of a pain sometimes because they're always asking questions. Well, why do I do it that way? Why do you do that? that? That doesn't seem right. Why are we doing that? Find those people and then challenge them, right? Okay. Take, take that piece of what it is that we're doing and bring something to me that replaces it. I don't, whatever it is, I, I'm not putting any shackles on it. Piece of technology, new workflow, personnel swapping piece of equipment yeah. don't care be creative and bring me the solution i sometimes i think it doesn't mean that you adopt every idea of course. but i think if if you encourage the thought process and you say and then you put the ball in their court don't don't immediately start brainstorming with them put the ball in their court and say bring me a solution and i i do think there's whatever percentage of people that are wired that way, you got to find them within your organization and then encourage them to solve the problems. And, and that's how you'll innovate and be creative, right? Who have you seen in your, don't need to name anyone, but uh, maybe in like a function level or decision maker level, who are the people in, uh, uh, in your organization that are leading this advancement? Like what, what, what do they do on their day to day? Like, are they, are they the engineers or are they dedicated to finding these new solutions? 
that's an interesting question. Um, let's see, people. I would say that it's an interesting mix of um, people who are responsible for achieving production targets. So that doesn't doesn't matter whether that's a foreman, superintendent, you know, the, but the people who are actually every day trying to figure out how to make a production target that 10 years ago they could do every day and now they're maybe hitting it 20% of the time. And, and they're trying to figure out how to get that extra stick of pipe or that extra two truck material that day. I think there's a lot of those folks I hear talking about these things and want They've shown interest in, look, we know it's coming. We're, we're hoping that it helps. We don't want digital transformation to just add to our workload. How's it going to help me? But I think people are at that level. <laughs> I think they're, uh, the curiosity and the momentum is building, which is encouraging to me. Like, you know, the only way you're going to find that out it's not going to a conference on digital delivery. You're, you're not going to find those people there. You, yeah. you, you got to go out to the job trailer and talk to them. So I, I think we'd need to do more of that. We need to go shadow a foreman for a week. If they'll let you on the job for a week, maybe it's only an hour, but anyway, go. <laughs> yeah, I think that the, at the end of the day, we're trying to impact the people who are actually doing the work, whether that's whether that's the engineering or the construction, it doesn't really matter. Yes. But the people who are actually doing are in the trenches who are uh, doing that manually intensive, uh, a lot of times repetitive uh, work, uh, and seeing where they need more efficiency in their in their day to day. I'm glad you brought up the like the kind of the engineering side of it because I, you know, I was talking to a very high functioning uh, CAD technician, CAD manager the other day, and what he had said is, "I'm living in this in between world right now." So you're you've got this one set of interests that wants a perfect 3D model, and then you've got a 2D plan set that's the contract document. So you've got these two two deliverables right now Which that are, are yeah. Anytime you've got two, <laughs> that's that's pretty tough to manage, right? So I think that there's a, and this is not an easy thing to solve, but the future there needs to be some focused energy on what it's going to mean for the 3D digital model to be the contract document. So that we focus our energy on that rather than being distracted by trying to produce a 2D plan set that ends up being the contract document. Now, it seems like a simple thing. That'll actually drive a lot of innovation because now everybody's focused on the digital environment. I think that it comes back to what you said at the beginning, that we're not doing this for the sake of technology. Like there really needs to be some value to it at the end of the day. Of the day. And I'm saying this in context of you go to these uh, conferences or these events about uh, digital transitions, transformation, all these kind of nice, fun buzzwords. 
Uh, yeah. And then at the end of the day, they, they're so uh, far from, from the day to day, like they're in some sort of pinnacle tower. Like that, uh, like you said, that foreman, right. he, he's not like, if, if that's not making his day to day that much easier, that much faster, like he, he doesn't have time for nice to haves. Right. And digital, a lot of times, I think it's perceived as, uh, okay, this is nice, but I'm not adding this to my workflow because it's going to take me more time to do and another thing that I need to deal with. And why right. do I need that? Yeah. Oh, I, you're spot on. I uh, a friend in the industry who uh, runs a portion of a large national contractor said in a meeting with some technology providers and myself and others, you know, I, I want you to stop selling me lottery tickets. I want New Year's resolutions. I want a list of things that you can do right now that are going to replace the things I'm doing right now and make it better. Yeah. That's what I would just give me that list. And to be fair, there was a pretty silent room there for a minute because it's then people have to really step back and think, hmm, I can't just talk about aspirational things about how digital delivery is going to solve all the problems. I have to come up with real concrete solutions and it's, it's hard. Wow. But he's right. I mean, that's what we need to do. We need to focus on New Year's <laughs> resolutions. What, what, what can we do today and let's go do it? You know, that's a, that's a really strong po point. And it's uh, shocking to me that uh, the room was quiet. Because, <laughs> yeah. because going back to what we said before, there is a lot out there, but I now feel that uh, a lot of uh, uh, these advancements, I don't know, I don't know enough, right? I'm not, I don't know everything, but there's probably a good chance that a lot of them are are nice to have and aren't giving immediate value from day one, like you said, New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Well, that's, do you think, I know I'm not supposed to ask you questions in this, but do you think that a, a big part of this is about, you know, you, you, you make a list, you prioritize it, and you build momentum. And as long as you've got the momentum and the ball is moving, that's what we want. We need to stop thinking we're going to get there in one step. How do we get the low-hanging fruit one? How do we get the specific things, the New Year's resolutions? How do we start checking those off the list? Do, do you think that's kind of a mental approach that would be valuable? Mm, I think it's about mapping. It's about mapping what we're doing on the day-to-day -day basis and seeing what things are repetitive like i'm taking a much a much more yeah. practical approach i think and when we see things that are repetitive repetitive there's a good chance that in some capacity they can be automated or semi-automated and if we're able even if just just for the sake of example right if there is some sort of uh, uh, engineering task that we that takes two hours a, a week Right? Two hours a week isn't a big deal for, for one engineer. But if you're a large organization and you have 100 engineers in your organization, so that's 200 hours a week. And if you times that by um, uh, 54, right? 54 weeks a year. So uh, that's, that's it's pretty crazy. 
Like, and yeah. if you're, you're able to kind of put a process in place that is able to kind of take that baggage off the table, that's X amount, that's X percent more productivity that, that those engineers can do, uh, can deal with mi ri mitigating risk, right? right. Or they can uh, deal with, like you can say, okay, these two hours are now dedicated to looking for more solutions like that. And then you take, uh, and then the next solution adds uh, two more hours to, to their day. And then like, it just becomes like a whole slate of let's look for more and more ideas. And then uh, maybe one day engineers will, will only have a one day job and four days just looking for more solutions. I'm exaggerating, of course, right? But, yeah. uh, but potentially, maybe, I don't know, maybe it can happen. Yeah. No, that's a good way to think about it. I'm yeah. Glad it goes uh, back to the yeah, uh, uh, towards uh, uh, the end of the episode, we normally have uh, two questions. Uh, so uh, first question I'd like to ask you, in a sentence, what, I know we, we talked a lot about uh, technology. What do you think civil engineers should be doing to find and implement those technologies in their day-to-day? -day? In a sentence, what are your thoughts? understand the end users um, goals and aspirations when they're using the technology and the product that you're producing so better understand the end user better understand the person uh, that, that is actually going to get value out of this technology yeah, yeah. better understand what they're using it for and then better serve that individual. Yeah, like you said, go spend a day with the foreman if they let you a week, and, uh, <laughs> and, see, and see what happens. Uh, yeah. And then uh, second question: uh, Who do you think should be next on our podcast? Who should we invite? Yeah, I honestly didn't have to think very long about this once you said it. I I have a um, colleague at WSB, Kyle Clausen, who I think would be. You'd love the conversation, and it would move in directions that you didn't anticipate, but it would be very valuable. So we're going to have to set that up. We'll take it offline afterwards, and you'll uh, set up an introduction. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. Andy, thank you so much for being with us today. This uh, has been extremely valuable to, to see how you guys think uh, about what's happening in the industry and how we as an industry can advance. And uh, hopefully this has uh, given some values to our listeners. Value. Yeah. No, it's been great. Thanks for having me, David. Thank you so much.